0: Welcome to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We're your hosts.
1: Andy, and I'll be talking about Cy Force number one and...
0: And I'm Steven, and I'll be talking about Nightmask number one. The New Universe was a self-contained universe and imprint from Marvel Comics started by Jim Shooter and friends. In 1986, with the launch of eight new ongoing titles to celebrate Marvel's 25th anniversary, it was intended to be more realistic and without magic and aliens and secret histories. We're two chemists and comic readers who are reading through the new universe two books a week in the order they were released, kind of describing them and commenting as we go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we sh- we should also say this is actually a re-recorded version of the second episode to make up for some weak sound quality. Um, so yeah, we've been doing this for a year, and we hope if you're interested enough to follow along, you'll excuse how rough some of the early episodes were and enjoy them anyway. And we also have intro episodes, uh, an intro episode, and some recap uh, episodes that cover the sixth and twelve months gaps to kind of catch you up to everything all right but yeah it's straight into SciForce. number one our, our first look at SciForce. uh exciting stuff to be sure um so yeah if we open up the book we have our first introduction to SciForce taking place in mendocino california uh, the story is called hour of the wolf and wolf is in kind of cool looking Wolfie font. I don't know how to call it. <laughs> it's writer... a writer. Wolf is oh. wild, man. Wild, crazy, crazy. Uh-huh. Um, and so we have uh, creator credits created by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. Uh, Those sadly, neither of them are in the writing or art credits. Uh... Yeah. So what did they create? Uh... Uh, the concept, I'm guessing, is Archie Goodwin, and then the art uh, direction and characters was Walt Simonson, I think. Right. But yeah, our, so not to disparage our actual writer, uh, Steve Perry, uh, penciler Mark Texiera, who did a bunch of Marvel work going on past this.
0: I remember him popping up a lot in the 90s. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Some X Men work, maybe. Ghost Rider, I want to say.
0: And then like stuff like Vampirella or something else, I forget. Very Mm. interesting painterly style
1: he developed later. Okay. And then uh, a name that stood out to me was Inker Kyle Baker, though, which made me think of Plastic Man, which I think he finally got some notoriety around then, which was like year 2000 or so. Was like a Plastic Man miniseries or graphic novel?
0: Yeah, he... Wow he had such a crazy career he he blew up um in the late 80s with a lot of sort of more alternative um mass market stuff um well it was intended to be anyway um these these things like why I hate Saturn and Cowboy Wally show um hmm. and uh, he did all these kind of spot illustrations for hip magazines like spy and all kinds of um things and yeah at some point like a decade or two later he was doing some plastic man and i want to say he did something else for dc maybe something for image he had some always a range of uh products and a very unique uh style he developed later but here he's just inking and you can only sort of see
1: peaks of that style coming through right and uh a lot of times in the bibliographies, they don't mention something that someone was the inker on, only if they were the artist or something. So, oh, Deadpool, he was on Deadpool, not that long uh, ago. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, our, our comic issue here starts in California on the docks. Uh, so we have an excellent uh, narration at the top says one of those sticky summer nights at a boat basin, the funny way of saying dock. Uh, Heavy with the smell of bait, brine, diesel fuel, and... Anger! (laughs) Uh, So it's nighttime at the docks. You almost think Batman's going to be coming out. Uh, But we have goons with guns in the shadows. Uh, We can kind of tell they're Russian because one of them calls the other guy... Or calls his friends comrades. Um, And it says, the Indian and the girl are headed this way.
0: You will hear that term a lot. This book, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought Mendocino was closer to San Francisco. I think before, but uh, double-checking the map, it was—it's um, quite a ways up the coast and kind of a smaller town, so it's maybe not as um, uh, like an urban dock as you might uh, uh, think of, uh, like a. Gotham City but uh um, yeah. yeah it it still has that look of like spooky shadows
1: and lots of places to hide. So. Right. Some kind of drug deals going down there. Um yeah so you know turning the page we get to uh our protagonists finally. Um so we've got Anastasia and Proudhawk or just Hawk as they call him in this one. Uh, basically, running in the water underneath the docks, right? So, they're presumably running away from these Russians. Um, so, as they're going along, uh, Proud Hawk basically collapses. Uh, and Anastasia, or Stasi, as they call her throughout the issue, uh, comes down to his side and says, I can't keep doing this, Proud Hawk. There must be rest and recuperation on top of healing. So, her hand glows. She touches him in the back and basically kind of re-energizes him or heals him. So this is our our first glance at psychic powers uh, in this issue. And as they're running out from underneath the docks, kind of still like trying to make it to the safety of a boat nearby, um, lights click on. Uh, It's kind of like that movie moment where the lights flash and all of a sudden, oh, oh my gosh, what's this? but there's a big squad of Russians with machine guns and cars all at the edge of the dock, you know, stopping them. Um, and the uh, bad guy or sort of the, the lead Russian, I suppose, uh, um, says, you know, the chase is over, doesn't want to be violent, but Anastasia Stasi, is property of the Soviet people. Uh, and, and basically a, as he's monologuing, um, they start firing or at least one of the guys starts firing on them. Um, so Hawk and Stasi kind of dive behind some rocks as they're being fired on. Um, we get a little bit of background from Stasi that you know proud Hawk had uh, broken into the Siberian project and helped her escape from these Russians. And now Serge Vladimirov uh, is trying to have him killed and she feels guilty for that some more discussion we kind of like they, they stop firing for a moment um give them a chance to talk to each other um stasi kind of feels kind of hopeless like they're not going to make it out there uh but hawks is trust me and we get this cool split panel where a uh, hawk or proud hawk you see half of his face and half of the russian Vladimirov, and hawk is saying everyone should trust me isn't that right And Serge Serge says, "Trust you, of course. Everybody trusts you." Um, So apparently, he has like ESP, mental manipulation, kind of psychic powers. No,
0: I I didn't notice it the first time, but uh, he's holding a uh, little medallion as uh, he's talking. Hawk is at least.
1: Yeah, he's holding it like as he's using his powers. Kind of looks like a gold. Circle with maybe like a rough outline of a, a little bird on it, presumably right. a hawk of some kind. <laughs> so you know, it could Indian be food. a
0: coincidence, maybe it's something.
1: <laughs> Christmas dove, it's a Christmas dove, it's a Christmas ornament. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but one of the guards like snaps out of it, says, Don't listen to the Indian, he's turning you crazy with his mind. Um, so, so. Uh, Serge snaps out of it. And says, "You're weak in pain, and your telepathic ability is failing you. You will pay with your life." Kill the Indian. <laughs> so, uh, oh. it's not not looking good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, basically, they, they open fire again. You know, more directly. Crowdhawk is still hiding behind the rocks. Uh, there's another cool narration bit where it says, "Hollow point slugs churn up the rocks in a spray of death." But in life nothing is ever certain. <laughs> I like that line. Mm. Um, but we also get a little cue in the corner of that deadly scene in the dark as there's a little ghostly figure in the background and as we go to the next page we see um, another of our psychic kids presumably part of the Psy Force uh, flying and he kind of looks like a ghost. Um, so he flies in and him and his ghostly form and a girl are uh, basically on a boat. Uh, he's saying, what's wrong with Ling? Why isn't she helping? And what is Kathy Ling doing while well, she's doing her makeup on the boat? Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming she could hear the gunfire. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she's basically doing lipstick and um, Ty- Tyrone, who is the guy uh, she, who gets introduced as Tyrone, you dumb jock, uh, interrupts her and she kind of screws up her lipstick and you get like a line of it on her face. I'm like, did you leave your brains back with San Francisco sneaking up on people? Astral projection sucks the mop. You know that? <laughs> Which is a great line.
0: We promised ourselves we would use that in conversation every week. And I don't think we've really held ourselves to that standard
1: really we should have like whenever an issue turned out weaker than expected we'd be like this one sucks them up (laughs) all right i'll have to write that down and maybe uh we'll see you again in season three sucks them up (laughs) Uh, um yeah so uh, tyrone you know recruits stassi like hawk needs us um and so he kind of out as Kathy hops out and kind of sees what's going on and and so she sees like five Russians firing on uh, Hawk and Stassi um, as Tyrone's like do something and she's like ah god I hate this it feels so grody and weird Uh, but she kind of holds her hands to her head and we see the first glimpse of her psychic ability which basically shoots some kind of like force beam out at the docks so, we see like a line of yellow, you know, through the darkness, and the docks are all kind of lit up and they basically just blow to pieces. So, um, whatever her power is at this point, you know, she's taken apart this whole dock. Um, all the guys go splashing into the water, their cars, the wood, it's just a big mess, which allows Proud and Stossy to make it to the boat. Uh, and then you have another great scene of, um, uh, the the russian leader out uh, uh basically in the water in all the rubble with his shaking his fist in the air like proud hawk you won't get away with this kid kidnapping we will find you we will destroy you
0: hmm he's uh at least he doesn't call him indian again i don't know
1: you will get you indian <laughs> It always makes me feel like it's like Cobra Commander or something like they shot him out of his little helicopter and he's down in the water, like shaking his fist like next time, next time, Joes. <laughs> it's very much like that. But anyway, so um, everybody's back on the boat. Uh, Park is getting them, you know, getting them to safety. Um and as they're sort of arguing about how it went down, uh, Hawk basically collapses and like falls like backwards from the steering wheel. So like he's pretty much at the end of his rope, right? So we haven't really seen how the escape went, but clearly like he's got nothing left in the tank here. So he kind of collapses on the ground. Uh, Kathy says, "Oh yuck, he's been shot." Um, but yeah, I guess I guess you know off-panel, like he actually got hit a couple of times. Um, Kathy runs away. I hate the sight of blood. Um, uh, Stasi is unsure if she's got enough energy left to heal him, but she does. Um basically bullets come popping out of him like Wolverine to a degree. Uh, so her power yet again kind of saves the day. Um, he says, I owe you triple for this one, Stasi. We'll pull through, we'll both be fine. <laughs> um so, and uh you can relax now. There's time to kill before we reach sanctuary. Um, so yeah, so, so they're they're off off to safety. Plenty of time for some really wordy flashbacks. Um, so we get a little bit of history of Anastasia. Um, she talks about how when she was little, she had a way with plants. Um, but then one day, uh, her parents she's so living growing up living in Russia. Her parents sent her way, away to live in the United States with her uncle and aunt, um, but they died in a car crash, and she was to be sent back to Russia, but when she returned home, she was sort of intercepted by the KGB, which told her that her parents were dead. So the old one-two relatives and parents dead super combo.
0: <laughs> it sort of leaves you with the possibility that someone's
1: lying or her here, definitely, but... Yeah, you know, whether or not her parents are actually alive or we see them later or something, it's a mystery at this point. Um, but yeah, so you know the Russians were clearly going to use her healing abilities um, So you know she uh, says until a few weeks ago when my neck for growing flies seemed to turn into something more. So like suddenly her powers increased and she was able to uh, like do things like heal people. Uh, And that's when she really got kind of freaked out for what the Russians had plans for her. Um, And Hawk there then shares his story, how he was a a CIA agent. He himself had like weak ESP. He could kind of convince people of things. Uh, He tells a little story about his grandmother, who's an Apache medicine woman, uh, who (laughs) talks about spirits, of course, right? Every. Maybe. We're just
0: throwing in everything but the kitchen sink here now, I don't know yeah
1: <laughs> every narrative of American has spiritual powers, right? um yeah, he discovered like a list of psychic people uh and had been leaked and basically decided to like ditch the CIA go rogue and try and rescue these kids. He says one I never found a trace of. this would be important later uh two dead um. And then four others were kids who'd run away from home, right? So presumably, you know, we're now talking about the force kids. Um, and apparently this flashback, it's a lot of words, but it, I guess it took it took a fair amount of time as well because uh, they've made it to San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I got to say it was uh, a little bit much of an info dump because you have not just one flashback life story, but two like yeah. on successive pages. And uh, it, the unfortunately, the kind of, you know, they set it off with some sort of the, like the color and, and the border of the panels. But then sort of just repeating that, you're like, wait, whose story is this again? Which one? Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Minor quibble, I know. Lots of yellow. Flashbacks are yellow. Also, time spent in Mexico, yellow. It's so like a
0: comic comic strip that always puts like the old timey, like when you paste photos into a photo album, yeah. like every panel gets those old timey corners when it does a flashback, and like even if it's like five years ago and everyone had iPhones already, it's like
1: right. <laughs> okay,
0: narrative devices. There we go. I can get behind it.
1: Uh, so they make it back to sanctuary, which is the building. Uh, it's on the Barbary Coast, a part called the Devil's Acre, um, which I think I, we couldn't really figure out what that was.
0: Yeah, it was a little. Uh, it it the neighborhood has changed. I guess it's right around the corner from City Lights Bookstore, I believe. But um, the Devil's Acre was like a historical name, and now it's just there's a bar there by that name. So I assume there's. A few things left over, but um, kind of googling around, you don't find out too much about it. Barbary Coast was the sort of north side, North Beach to Chinatown-ish neighborhood, which has yeah. also changed a lot. And uh, yeah, it is like everything else there now is ridiculously overpriced and probably, uh, you know, would not support a safe house for uh, runaway teens.
1: No. Well, unless some startup tech company dumped a bunch of money into it. Or
0: maybe they just all be living on the street outside of this house now? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe maybe there's plenty of room inside this building. Um, But yeah, basically, it it just looks like a house, right? It it looks like kind of a classic row house. It's on the the heavy hill, kind of slanted street. looks like it's attached to more of like a... um,
0: yeah, when those San Francisco Office Victorians, billion. yeah, it's not, uh, it's not apparently gigantic.
1: Right. Well, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see. So, so we get introduced to Colby Shaw, who runs the place and um, has, you know, been kind of watching the kids while while Hawk was doing his missions, and she's basically pissed because of some kid named Wayne Tucker uh, who was driving her crazy um so as they walk in we get introduced to wayne uh, who we kind of recognize from the cover of the issue um uh, coming in he says hawk i want to talk to you man said, hi wayne <laughs> <laughs> 10 days you said you said two i've hung around so i can tell you to your face i'm splitting <laughs> i'm out of here Colby's house rules driving you nuts. He's like, no, man, you're driving me nuts. You and your wacko paranoia. I don't care if somebody's out there is after us. I'll take my chances. Anything's better than this dump and you, I'm out (laughs) of here. So yeah, he's just like shaking his fist. He's like classic, like 80s teen, bad boy, rebel, leather jacket, brown hair. You know, he's got the gloves, not quite the fingerless gloves, but it's got the little like square cut out kind of like Stuff guy motorcycle gloves kind of thing
0: yeah he's he's a punk and sort of crossed with 50s rebel i guess and yeah.
1: uh,
0: a lot of judd nelson in breakfast club here
1: is what i'm sensing clearly um but, but yeah so now the kids are all together so we get introduced to the last one but we've got wayne tucker the who's pissed um um, Kathy, who we met before, she blew up the docks and is kind of Valley girlish. Uh, Stasi, the healing powered Russian girl. Uh, Tyrone, we get to see in his real form. Uh, I, I still
0: crack me up. I mean, he's, he's. they called him a jock, but he's literally twirling a basketball on his finger when we first see him in real life. And uh, that's I how you know he likes basketball
1: i guess he could just like wear a jersey
0: or something like a normal person i don't know
1: (laughs) yeah and then uh the the last member of the group uh they have not called themselves Psi force or anything uh uh, michael crawley is just kind of looks like a younger kid maybe 14 uh he's just sitting in a chair reading taxidermy made easy so uh Introduced to us not as the jock but as the clumsy nerd as he like knocks over a lamp and they're like Michael oh broke something again.
0: <laughs> We're gonna kick you out of Sciforce, man. I mean, uh, um our cool group that doesn't
1: have a name yeah. yet. Uh but yeah, as he is introducing himself, says I break things, not this way. I mean I sort of explode things. Um eh, never mind. It's like, oh why am I even bothering? <laughs> Um, so yeah, he apparently has actually a pretty cool power of making things explode.
0: Mm. Yeah, the the old Marvel like, uh, oh she she would never talk to me, and like meanwhile she's like, oh, oh why doesn't he look at me? He he thinks I'm ugly, and all this like <laughs> they were always good at like teenagers' um, <laughs> internal monologue of despair and just shame.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's solid. Um, so so Emmett Proudhawk's like now that you're here, I must tell you why it's important to stay together. And they're all like, nah. Waynes, <laughs> count me out. It's like, I'd love that. the only one that seems really kind of into it is maybe Michael. Uh, everybody else is either not saying much or not too interested. Um, uh, Stasi is kind of unsure of like why she's even here or like if 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 she's safe. Um yeah, so Proudhawk then jumps into a story. So, story time. Um says, tell, let me tell you about a dream I had years ago. Uh, dreamt that a brilliant white light filled the sky. The light passed in a moment. So, I mean, this is a dream, but he's clearly referencing the white event here in some way, shape, or form. Or like He kind of dreamt about it. Um it says, I saw a hawk, a hawk hovering over five small rabbits protecting them. So, A little on the nose, (laughs) or ridiculously on the nose. Uh, Then a pack of wolves approached and pulled the hawk down, but the rabbits gathered together, four around one, their flesh and essences merged, uniting into an awesome force. Super rabbit. No, No, another hawk. (laughs) (laughs) Even though the wolves had just killed the first hawk, this is a bigger hawk. (laughs) Better hawk. Crowder hawk? No, no, not that. Much. <laughs> the wolves could not stand against it. Uh, it's like I didn't understand it at first, but I suspected it was a vision the kind grandmother used to have. Like, you know, so he's saying, you know, you need to stay together; otherwise, the wolves will get you. Um, so maybe he should be a little stressed out about the fact that the hawk died. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> hmm. good point uh tyrone has a fun line here he says hawk a couple weeks ago i found out i could leave my body behind and go floating around like a ghost i thought nothing could be weirder than that but that rabbit dream sets a new world record (laughs) and wayne's response is stuff it geronimo you wanted us to hear you out okay we did now this little bunny rabbit is hopping out of here got it way to make (laughs) yourself sound really lame wayne
0: I'm hopping down the bunny trail. <laughs>
1: this bunny oh is just fuzzing his way out of here and chewing a carrot and flipping you off, Groudhawk. <laughs> hey, I got to go, Doc. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so we get some of kind of like, you know, no Wayne, you're like the your important one. You, you, We need your abilities to kind of bring everyone together. Wayne's still yelling. He's like, that's bull. Everything you say is bull. The only danger I've seen is you might bore me to death. Nobody's after us um so yeah nobody's too terribly into it um as as they argue uh stassi kind of wanders off on her own uh they get to the point where it's like all right let's all cool down and we'll talk about tomorrow maybe i'll tell you about another dream i had about six rabbits (laughs) (laughs) no six won't work um and then we get a meanwhile in a mansion in an area of san francisco known as russian hill go figure Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. So Vladimirov's on the phone um, talking about his attempts to recover the girl when he gets interrupted by a big dude in a blue suit. He's got kind of like a goatee and like kind of tall, well, like short, like close cropped. I can call it like Johnny United's sort of hair. I don't know. Um, um, he walks in and he looks like three times as big as Vladimirov. Uh, he says mind wolf (laughs) so this guy's name is mind wolf which is kind of awesome also wolf right maybe sounds familiar from a story he likes to eat hawks i don't
0: know a lot of wolves in siberia which is part of russia
1: i guess i don't know um but yeah he kind of details his plan uh he's been trying to you know abduct kill or control the psychics Right. So they're kind of on the other half of the uh, psychic uh, plan here. And he seems a little bit more ruthless. You know, it's like if you can't if I can't use you, if you're a little bit dangerous, I'm going to kill you. But he, he wants Stassi um, and the, you know, just right on cue, the, the bat phone, like an old red rotary telephone, which is kind of cool, actually, in the very 80s. Uh, rings and it's actually st- Anastasia had snuck off to a payphone and called him. Like, how, how did she get his number anyway? Like, operator, give me the KGB. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Russian consulate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but but she was she was worried that she was the one putting the team in danger. So if she just kind of gave herself up, then the rest of the people would be safe. Right. Um, we'll we'll see how well that goes for her. I guess. Um yeah, so back in Sanctuary, Hawk is, um, you know, bummed that things aren't working out. Uh, and you know, he's going to find Stasi and realizes that she's gone. Um, and so he's kind of freaked out, you know, goes to the rest of the guys. And he's like, oh, guys, you know, she bolted out of here. You know, it's because you were so crazy and arguing. And he's like, well, good for her. Just because you had some vision about rabbits doesn't mean you can run our lives. <laughs> Fair point, Wayne.
0: (laughs) You know, I mean, when you're right, you're right. I mean, a dream about rabbits doesn't mean I have to stop and do anything.
1: (laughs) And and so, but but yeah, they they really aren't having any of his argument, which is kind of fun. Like, it's not just, all right, let's form a super team go, you know, it's just like, uh, like there are forces working against us. It's like, I don't even like her. It's like three country Hawk, let her go. (laughs) Um, So what does he do? He mind controls them to go and do what he wants anyway. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we get a nice shot of him kind of brain controlling Tyrone to go search. So Tyrone's astral form flies out, finds Stassi still at the payphone. Uh, She's just waiting for him there. Um, And apparently wasn't far away. As she's there, kind of moping, the rest of the squad confronts her. It's like Stassi, we need you come back. It's like, oh no! It's like, but they're coming. Um, At that point, you know, Wayne kind of snaps out of uh, Proud Hawk's psychic control. Uh, Wake up, you dopes! Look where you are. See what your buddy Hawk's been doing to you. It's like they say he pushed us. Um, So not much time to argue, though. Because as they're kind of, uh, you know, snapping out of it and kind of pissed, uh, they get interrupted by the Russians. So, um, time for the big showdown, I guess, or an- another showdown. And, you know, turning the page, we get to Hawk and Mindwolf kind of moving towards each other, ready to square off with poor Stasi in the middle. It's like, stay away from the girl it's like so it's true you are like me you're trying to push me it's like a waste of time mind wolf be stronger than you <laughs> um but yeah so we get a psychic battle which is always kind of weird and interesting to try and draw um cuz they we get this like flash of light uh and i guess you can kind of assume they can see it cuz it looks like the kids are kind of like oh the light it's so bright kind of thing mm-hmm. um at least the best I can tell uh, a couple of panels of, you know, proud Hawk with like mind waves coming out of him and kind of like a yellow background. Um, but, you know, as strong as he is, um, it doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot to mind wolf. Uh, so he's trying to argue, you know, you're so strong, you know, the Russian government is not going to like it. They might kill you anyway. Uh, but Mind Wolf has no superiors. Um, so he kind of lets out one final die Indian uh, with a big mega blast. And I'm still not really sure what his powers are, but Proud Hawk goes like flying. He loses his shoe. You know, his shirt's all torn up. Like, you know, like he got hit by something bumps to the ground with a lump okay. and he's dead. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yep. The hero of the book. What the hell? Yeah, not anymore, I guess. <laughs> main character, isn't he? Come on. What what the heck? Yeah, you gotta respect that. Why not kill your main character in the first book, right?
0: Hmm. <laughs> Why did I'm we sure. have a whole flashback
1: from this guy then? I don't. I'm sure all of these kids that don't like each other will just get along just fine. <laughs> Uh, so Wayne notices and feels like he was pushed to that medallion from earlier so like you know thanks for pointing that one out in the early panel uh, that proud Hawk hat around his neck um and you know as you know so Wayne kind of takes charge like frawley or I calls him creepy you know waste the Russians guns and so Michael, blows up all of the weapons uh, that are kind of trained against them. Uh, Kathy uses her powers to basically like toss Mindwolf into a brick wall. Uh, but Mindwolf's pretty tough. He's like little girls, little boys. <laughs> uh, and they're like, he's too strong. What are we going to do? Um, so then they pull a, like a Voltron or like a Captain Planet kind of thing uh, where they all touch the amulet or you know the medallion of Crowdhawk. Um, The Keystone, or I'm sorry, four of them do. Uh, uh, Anastasia is still by the dead Proud Hawk, and they um, think about Hawk, you know, has some sort of strange connection to this power, and then presumably the psyhawk Hawk appears, right? So up, here's- bear down,
0: Think, think about Hawk motivational speech from wayne
1: is uh great man. <laughs> also it could be really similar to like trying to tell someone to go number two bear down think about it focus <laughs> it'll come <laughs> i'm gonna blow a sphincter out here man i can't do this what are you talking about <laughs> oh yeah uh, so the cy hawk emerges and so we got a full page um and, you know, kind of a vaguely na- Native American, uh, but he's got like wings of feathers, he's got tail feathers, kind of red and a red and blue color scheme, um, helmet that's kind of bird like with like a beak coming out. It does look a bit like Emmett Proudhawk, um, uh, in a costume, uh, yeah. But, this but we don't a... really get to see a face, so it's not really sure. Uh, that we can really even say that as far as that goes.
0: And I think like you were saying, this is probably the uh, Walter Simonson creative uh, contribution. Was This has like the look of his style to it, I guess. A little right. angular,
1: bold, um, good stuff. It looks pretty cool. So our Psyhawk our emerges ready to take on the mind wolf fires a sort of powerful blast at him and at first it doesn't actually work uh Wolf kind of makes fun of him uh i've never killed a man twice before so he's kind of assuming it's proud hawk. Um, what the
0: the hawk killed the the wolves in the dream come on man get, fall down i don't
1: know <laughs> uh so, so the group Realizes they're missing Stasi, so they call her over. She's mourning over uh, Hawk's body. She runs, touches the amulet, and as her power, her essence flows through the apparition, its battered form becomes whole again, more its strength grows geometrically, uh, and its foe withers before its renewed psionic on- onslaught, whatever that means. Um, I don't know. So it's powered up, you know, the Psyhawk kind of flies in the air, kind of loops back down, and we get a big thune as the dazed mind wolf discovers true power. Um, But it's honestly kind of hard to see what what happens to him. Like, he's maybe buried under some rubble. He, like, hammers him into the ground. He mind blasts him with such ferocity that he's just gone. Um, Psyhawk rises from the rubble as if it's, like, flying out of the ground. And all of a sudden, we're on our last page here. So, <laughs> this, this,
0: yeah, this goes pretty fast,
1: pretty fast. Yeah. Psyhawk so doesn't mess around once he's at full power, snaps his fingers, you're toast. <laughs> guess that's the lesson here. Uh, so, that's the, the big hawk. Um, and, but our regular hawk is dead. Uh, so, I can't believe he's gone. He's like, he died for us. Um, it's like we have to go on for him, and of course Wayne says you have to go on. for Let's <laughs> <laughs> don't change things for me. It's over. I'm splitting. <laughs> I'm out of here. Michael reasons with him, is like, no, we have to take Hawk's dead body back to sanctuary. <laughs> we you sure him? about that, Michael? I, I'm yeah. quite sure I saw that in the sign-up sheet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they, they they pick him up and uh, start hauling them down the sidewalk. <laughs> Uh, so, like, won't you come to Stasi. We want you to. Uh, and Michael says, besides, I don't think life's going to get any easier. We're going to need you a lot. <laughs> um, and that's the end. We got a little tiny the end in the corner. No preview of what's coming next other than perhaps um, hauling a dead guy through the streets of San Francisco.
0: Oh, I'm sure they can do that all like
1: be- before the next issue starts probably yeah you wouldn't want to spend the whole issue on that all right we're cheating uh
0: yeah we promise ourselves to uh stay uh to like not give any forward uh knowledge and when we read these the first time we were very careful to not spoil ourselves with uh looking at uh, later issues so yes (laughs) we <laughs> will uh, try to do the same for you, dear listener, uh, in case this is your first experience with us. Um, let's see. Shall we? Um, is there much to ta- say about Cyforce? Well, it's uh, a lot of
1: kind of fun 80s stereotypes in here, I guess. Really, um...
0: you know, it's funny. It feels fresher now. I was going to say the um, is this is right at the end of the Cold War and all this sort of Russian this Russian that. And then, like you know, Soviet Union falls a couple of years later, and this all seems very passe. But then they start bringing in like Russian gangsters, and now actually Russians are bad
1: again. Just
0: being Russian is bad. I don't know.
1: So assassinating people with weird radioactive elements and strange mystery nerve gases and stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if you uh, if you uh, woke up with. After a 35-year nap, you'd think uh, nothing had changed at all, I guess.
1: All right. So, yeah, you got Jock, you got a nerd, you got the cool Valley girl, you got, like, the, the angry punk tough guy. Stassi is maybe the relatable character? I don't know. She just seems kind of like the nice girl. The Ally Sheedy? Uh, I'm not sure what she... That was, like... She was, like, the
0: crazy one in Breakfast Club. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she's she's the probably the, the center of in terms of um, temperament or something. Um, yeah, Tyrone? Yeah,
1: maybe. Um, but she's mostly kind of like afraid and like ready to bail and really just yeah. And I mean, she's look. got like so the nice
0: like exotic uh, background or whatever makes her a little more interesting too. So, and um, she's very out of place now in America she's right. been here before I guess enough to learn the language well but not um sort of get used to it in any way so in San right. Francisco is a big difference from uh I think she said in Kansas so
1: right um well, like the Native American with spiritual connections is like another kind of beat to death stereotype perhaps
0: you know I'm I'm I can't remember what it is now but I I, I I'm Thinking that there was a Steven Seagal movie or more than one where he's like this Native American connection and also uh, you know tough guy, kung fu guy and all that. I don't My know. My
1: ancestors told me to be above the law.
0: <laughs> all the,
1: I don't know why. Like I think
0: that like dream whole dream rationale for the whole putting a team together is. I don't know. It's delightfully cliche now. I guess I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was so cheesy and like exactly like like there was no metaphor or subtlety. It's like,
0: yeah, you will it's... die protecting
1: five rabbits, and then another thing will come and save the rabbits.
0: Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, you don't need a uh, a lot of interpretation like the. Uh, book of daniel in the bible and tell me my dream uh i i yeah it's right there for you i don't know what more i can say buddy
1: um yeah in my notes i wrote breakfast club plus native american equals psychic voltron (laughs) Uh, or maybe captain planet it feels a little more captain planet
0: i think uh there's breakfast club yeah i would also say scanners the david cronenberg movie um Like when Mind Wolf is killing Hawk, it's probably something like that where you have this—not just psychic attack, but it somehow like contorts your body a lot as mm. well. Even if you're, um, you're not like the um, Michael Crawley where things explode or the Kathy where things are physically thrown around. Um, yeah, it's a good sort of basic um, putting a team together that doesn't want to be together um starting place I don't know yeah thankfully um,
1: no hero misunderstanding fights
0: yeah and like you said um Wayne is sort <laughs> um is, is is very much like if he's the leader he's the leader against the whole idea so he's like yeah you
1: know, I, I am. I am definitely hoping that he stays angry and yelling at everyone for the whole run of thirty-two issues. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all keeping our fingers crossed. <laughs> um, raging, raging Wayne was probably the best part about this one.
0: So I think you get a real good sense of these characters, even if, as you say, through stereotypes, you at least get differentiation, which is something we had talked about in the last episode with the uh, troubleshooters and Spitfire and the troubleshooters not really feeling there was much marking them apart there at all and now we've got a definite like you know finger on you know where to start with these guys yeah
1: like I guess having them introduced sort of one at a time is a little helpful too instead of just a room full of nerds that all look the same except for the one black girl <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uh yeah it's a it's a reasonable um book i will tell you this is the one that i remember least of like i i'm i don't think i ever read one issue of it when i uh first read any new universe comics so and it's uh interesting maybe better than i expected so yeah
1: yeah the it's it's fun, maybe not great. Like there's there's some cheesiness to it, but also like just kind of like some likable characters as well. <laughs> Mind um, Wolf seems pretty cool. Wayne Wayne is kind of fun as far as things go. Um, I don't know, are, are we at the rating period yet?
0: Well, we can r- rate. Um, uh, sh- you you first or me?
1: I'll go first. I. I I've uh b right i think i was closer to a b minus in the beginning but you know with multiple reads it becomes more and more fun and you know it seems like a solid b i'll
0: concur on b uh it's um kind of in the middle of the road for me like where how much i'm enjoying it um but it's definitely um cautiously um optimistic with it after checking this out it's uh I I don't know it's a little less um out there than like the X-Men and um new mutants were at the time which were always zipping away to other planets or dimensions or things and this is much as the new universe was supposed to be grounded and down to earth like there you go and so the teenagers are pretty grounded in relatable teenagers so
1: yeah and it's already got one up on most marvel things is like people actually our heroes actually getting shot having bullet holes in them and occasionally dying so I mean, that doesn't happen much in ser- superhero comics
0: yeah just knowing that you can get killed is a much different experience than i think uh, we've seen in a long time in the reg- in regular books oh I, I had a note before that this was the um They're referring to the white event, but they don't give it a name. And uh, it's like the first, uh, the books uh, that we covered in the first uh, episode didn't have the white event at all,
1: I don't think. Right, not not much.
0: Yeah, and so here we're getting more white uh, event-related references, but that's the big... uh, why not just start that like there? Well, I don't know. It's a good, it's, you, know, you start where the action is most interesting. So fair enough. Yeah, it's that really into that,
1: but that's about it. So maybe it's sort of the mystery thread throughout things. We can okay. hope. We
0: can hope. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we will take a quick break. Be right back. and we'll uh, pick right up again with Nightmask, number one. Um, Nightmask is a cover of a sort of a a person in bed with a a girl in a wheelchair next to him, trying to wake him up or something, and there's a, what appears like a dream of a person in a costume um, It's in a mask at night. (laughs) It, that is true yes there's like a, a couple of hands with like a, a hammer that are sort of threatening him so i don't know there's like a, uh, some some sort of a mystery and we don't know what like the guy is dreaming or he's in someone's um memory or nightmare who knows um opening it up we get a couple uh, a page of a sort of a a boy running in darkness. It's the black panels with uh, a figure uh, modestly shrouded in shadow, uh, luckily. um, And a lot of narration boxes talking about how uh, he feels like he's been running forever and he's got to keep going. He's afraid of something. Suddenly he sees a light. I've never seen such a light. And uh, he hears his a voice and he thinks it's his little sister saying to come in. and he jumps into this light. And so he's uh, turned the page and it's just him surrounded by nothing but light. One big splash page there. It's pretty nice actually. And hes uh, called the title is The Awakening. And now we've got writer and creator Archie Goodwin again. Uh, Cyforce creator as well, but the penciler and creator is Tony Salmons, who's drawing this issue, and the inker is Brett Blevins, who uh, I remember from some New Mutants slash X Men not long after this. Um, kind of a angular style, but that's yeah, good. And the rest of the team, and so uh, this character is uh. We don't know what is is like surrounded just in this infinite white field in the splash page. And then the next page, we have um, someone in bed in a hospital room and uh, they're like all bandaged up like they've been pretty hurt. Um, There's a girl next to him in a wheelchair who's like rubbing her eyes like she just got um, flashed in the eyes. And we've got a um, Hispanic uh, medical professional busting through the door, yelling at someone, and it's that sort of '80s um, thing where you you show that you're, you have some sort of uh national origin or ethnic background by constantly working in words from your language. Teddy, are you okay? Theodora, está bien. What loco left those blinds up anyway? So they're in a room, like a hospital room. Clearly, she's room.
1: Hispanic. Where could something. be?
0: I will keep an eye on that one. <laughs> um, and uh, the, they're talking about how there was like a bright light, and uh, the orderly is, you know, talking uh, about the doctor had uh, told him to leave the uh, windows up and uh, or the the blinds up. And hoping that the sunlight would be good for the kid. And uh, the Hispanic woman is talking more about this unexplained phenomena. And she comes over to the girl and, Teddy, I noticed you were late for your workout. And uh, the girl just says she feels like there was a big fla- light bulb that went off, flash bulb that went off. And so, is Keith okay? And uh, there's, we, we see another character come in. Ms. Mercado, is everything all right? I rushed up for my rounds in the psychiatric ward. The radio says this white event, as they've dubbed it, happened everywhere. The entire world blanketed by that incredible radiance. And, uh, you know, this is, I like that it's like a few seconds later and we've already named it the white event.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's making up for all those other comics that didn't barely mention it.
0: Yeah, I, although it's the radio he's listening to, I I keep imagining it's like this, like one of those wacky morning zoo crew. <laughs> hey, it's Big Tom and uh Mac the Knife. We're gonna call that the White Event.
1: You guys see that? I didn't see that. No, I can't <laughs> see anything anymore after the White Event. <laughs> right down, Jim Bob. We got five minutes before the hour.
0: Weather's uh, still hot in the valley, and uh,
1: yeah, we got uh, talking about the White Event. You all see the White Event?
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, back to the
1: show. Chopper Dave's <laughs> gonna be in trouble if he got blinded.
0: So they're 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 uh, all stop and stare because the guy in the hospital bed uh, is sitting up and looking at them and talking to them. He recognizes this doctor, Doctor Ballard. I just thought it was Teddy calling. What are you all doing here? Where's Mom and Dad? Do do do. Now, speaking for uh, flashbacks, we have one now where he's like, uh, the airport, everybody's there, my whole family sending me off. So this is all from uh, the boy, Keith, uh, point of view. And now this is a memory of him at his airport where he was going to go away for the summer to study with a uh, at the Kleinman Institute, Kleinman Institute and. Um, and his parents are both scientists at uh, the University of Maryland, which is a nice normal college, actually. Actually, so many right. people I know just uh, like moved out there. So um, I guess you, props to uh, University of Maryland College Park. Uh, you guys need an extra chemist. You know where to find me. Nice <laughs> job mean.
1: existing, University of Maryland.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, what's her name? Jenny Swenson's family was all like, Caltech or MIT and there's nothing in no flyover state that's going to uh, get our attention. Those elitists. I hate them so much. (laughs) Heath was going to be a a summer student at the Kleinman Institute in Zurich and he was really looking forward to it. Says goodbye to his parents and they talk a little about how they're all interested in dream research including the Kleinman Institute and um and they're psychologists and psychiatrists and uh suddenly uh keith is supposed to grab the bag his luggage and um everyone's talking to them and then they start sort of arguing over it. no i'll pick it up no you take it i'll take it I'll take it and then keith sort of remembers something's wrong and starts running away and uh, a couple of panels later he's back to where he was we saw him in the first place naked in the blackness and um so this is all more of his like dream memory like whatever. half dream
1: half flashback into we see the things the, yeah <laughs> the bad thing that he was
0: avoiding which is this explosion in the airport one of those bags blew up and uh We have, we flashed to Keith talking to this uh, older man. He's uh, African American and he's, he'd called him Dr. Ballad before. And he's uh, talking about uh, all those folks hurt and Teddy crippled and my parents killed. And I I feel uh, basically a lot of survivor's guilt. Keith is very messed up from. The explosion which obviously he was in a hospital for for ages i don't know how long but um even getting out of that he feels like he he survived when he you know the others would be um more deserving so uh the the doctor ballad tells him that you know everyone is happy to have him back and uh it's really a miracle uh this white event that he's back at all so he should you know they're happy to have him so he should be try to be happy to be back i guess
1: at least you're not dead kid move on your parents are dead so what
0: (laughs) you don't think wayne would care about that do you come on suck it up i have a smoke (laughs) so we've next page uh Keith has wandered down to the swimming pool where uh, Teddy is working out and she's talking to him and she can tell he's not really listening to her. So she's starts saying funny things and then splashes him with some water. Ah, what? Huh? And uh, she mentions that he has a, a scar and on his forehead, there's a little moon shape, which is like uh, years before Harry Potter.
1: Yeah. Harry Potter is such a copycat.
0: So sad.
1: Doesn't Harry I, Potter also have dead parents? Uh,
0: yeah. See. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I th- I thought this whole thing was ripped off by Neil Gaiman, but apparently the people who ripped off Neil Gaiman also ripped off this too.
1: Yeah. Archie. Archie was first. Archie Goodwin, not Arch- Archie
0: Goodwin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say uh, Archie and Jughead were had a lot of psychic powers and some. <laughs> early issues that I missed. and Okay, a you says. So, um, we get to one of my favorite lines. I know I've still got plenty of scars, Teddy. They're just on the inside now.
1: So, uh, that's, that's solid, Mopi Teen. That is solid.
0: So, she's like, you know, sometimes I thought I'd die, and I missed you. I missed Mommy, and Daddy, and you, and I was mad but I'm so happy to have you back now I can't stay angry and, uh, and Keith feels bad about that you know moping when she's you know been lonely this whole time and unable to walk she got you know lost the use of her legs in this explosion so suddenly we have uh, a a um, someone uh, popping into the scene uh, it is uh, Lita Mercado, who's the physical therapist for Teddy, which is uh, the woman we saw in the first scene. So she is uh joins them at the pool, strips off her robe, and uh yeah, she's in pretty good shape. Um <laughs> she has kind of a big barda look to her. The she like dominates Keith easily. Yes. <laughs> although he's been in a bit in a comatose for a while, so maybe he's atrophied a bit. But um, she tosses him into the pool and um, she tells him that um, that scar. So she let me read that out. Uh, Your doctor has finally agreed that that blast fragment they felt couldn't be removed from your forehead. The one that caused that little cute little scar. They say it's stable. So no longer a risk to physical therapy. So now you can work out with me. Yay. (laughs)
1: Um I've got the answer to your dream problems. Twenty laps, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much.
0: Uh she's a she's a distracting character, I'm not telling you. We uh jump into uh, another dream in the next page where uh, Keith is wandering through the airport and uh in a night in a um, bathrobe, I guess. And uh he starts talking to himself about how no and it's not just the airport, it's also the hospital yeah it so, kind of looks like every
1: like abandoned mental hospital that those like stupid ghost hunters always visit. It's kind of the vibe
0: yeah it's it's a good kind of overlapping reality that you get in a dream where something is kind of two things at once um and yeah, it does look just kind of a good a good sketched in abandoned uh, something and he's looking around and he comes across a person on an escalator that's being strangled by tentacles that are coming up from below maybe Um, an anime or something yeah they're like you know 100 feet long and so there's uh, it's wrapped around this guy like a mummy and we don't really think we've seen this guy before but He's talking about how there's nothing you can do; everything's hopeless, and he can't fight them. And uh, Keith is like comes over to investigate or try to help, and the guy starts talking about the gnome. He'll never allow me to escape. You know it, and uh, he. I must die to protect his treasures, as the others had to die. Huh? What die? Who? What are you talking about? And uh, at first Keith is like trying harder to r- get the guy free from all these ropes or tentacles or something. But the guy then says, you, I didn't see it before, but I know you, I know you. <laughs> and Keith is in the uh, um, sort of suit he was wearing at the airport before. And he's um, wait, this is what I was wearing when the bomb went off. And then he's kind of remembers Wait. This is the guy who dropped the bag that had the bomb in it.
1: This is wait. This is the killer. Yeah, and you actually can see him like in those early panels, like kind of stealthily setting down a bag while they're in conversation. Yeah, it's uh,
0: a nice tip. You can go back. You wouldn't have uh, noticed it the first time either. Um, and as he's trying to figure out what's going on. Suddenly he gets these two big hands on his shoulders, and a, a like a horror, horrible voice from behind him saying, "What have we here?" Um, and he says he wants to scream, but you turn the page and he is woken up and he is screaming. And uh, Teddy had been calling him to, out of his dream, and he they talk for a bit about how, um. He heard her calling and could come back. And uh, she says that uh, moon symbol on his forehead was glowing a lot while he was dreaming, which is weird. But uh, they had uh, more talk about how they can share, you know, he feels like he's sharing a dream or something, um, which is weird, but... um, they look out in the hall and there's another guy in the hospital in the next room who is also covered in bandages, but I mean like all over his face, so you can't see him at all. And he's been there for a while and they knew he had come from that same airport explosion, but now Keith is thinking, oh, this is the guy in the dream who was actually the one who was who killed us. Oh, and the uh, there's an orderly there and they're taking the guy down the hall and they say, He's just had a heart attack. So there's something going on between this connection between this guy who's also in the hospital and these dreams that
1: maybe he's sharing with him and someone else. And in the 80s, you can just roll by and tell people what's going on with somebody's medical history. <laughs> this guy's got gonorrhea. <laughs> That's why he's all wrapped up. <laughs> it's-
0: Yeah, there's no um, confidentiality back then. So we have a uh, flash to a next day, supposedly, that um, uh, Keith and Teddy are talking to this Dr. Ballad. And they're sort of... Um, Ballad isn't too convinced yet, but, you know, a heart attack? Maybe it's a coincidence and all this you know idea that it's someone else's dream and doesn't that sound like wish fulfillment you want to carry on your parents work which you know to be honest yeah you 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 developing the power that your parents had always worked to uh create by uh electronic devices or something does kind of sound like wish fulfillment in uh oh you you know your your parents always wanted to be uh, a mechanic, so now you've uh, transformed into a car. Wait, what?
1: That
0: was legit. Um, so they they oh yeah, his dad was experimenting with cybernetics to tune into other people's dreams. What if I'm in some weird way, I'm naturally doing that? Does mm-hmm. that sound like more wish fulfillment? <laughs> And uh, they they uh, are uh, they see Lita come up, and she has found the patient's records and brought them out. And the guy has, because he's all you know, messed up and no one knows what his face looks like, she found his passport photo. And meanwhile, Keith and uh, Teddy have been sketching uh, what Keith saw in his dream, and you see that they actually, uh, showed the same face so whatever keith was looking at in his dream was uh does look like it was the guy uh in real life so there was a connection
1: there mm-hmm. um, there's a there's, there's a great line in here which I, I feel like needs to be uh but when lita comes in with the records she's like i had to twist a few rules and arms those guys in records aren't big on cooperation and she's like flexing her, her <laughs> muscle And she says, but when my sultry Latin charm fails, I fall back on the advantage working with free weights gave me. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, clearly implying that she tried to woo the guy and it didn't work. And then she, like, maybe put him in an arm bar or something. Just like, you're giving me those records one way or another.
0: Truly, yeah, you wouldn't. uh... Get very far fighting against Lita she's a... Um, I probably would
1: have fell to the sultry Latin charms I guess, before the arm twisting happened I, you know take maybe the records, Lita. <laughs> who
0: knows why someone would resist her, certainly I couldn't but um, <laughs> they uh, go on for more tests and um, in which Keith is trying to get into Lita's dreams she is a curious dream of just sort of dancing uh, to an orchestra on a cruise ship, which, uh, okay, I mean, nothing too embarrassing. Um, and they we, she uh, sees Keith and tells him to get out of there. But we wake up and it's in like the dream research lab of his parents at the University of Maryland. And they're, they're doing all these EEGs and CAT scans and everything to try to figure out what's going on. And Lita had volunteered to have him investigate her dream. So it's not too, too uh, sketchy. But they uh, are driving back from the clinic or the, um, the labs and uh, talking more about how, see, you've somehow become a mental chameleon. Maybe because of pressure from that fragment they couldn't remove. Interesting. Anyway, maybe you're able to bring your own unique brainwave patterns into sync with those produced by others in their dreaming state. Thereby, I can enter their dreams. Wow. Lucius. (laughs) Yeah, we all, you can, you can just sort of picture this in the movie version where like. Those two like sine waves on the oscilloscope sort of start matching up and say "Right, hey, right.
1: What's yeah. a dream wave anyway?" Right, like dream yeah. light, dream yeah. sound. I don't know. At least That's it's better true. than like you've unlocked ninety percent of your brain instead of the ten percent <laughs> that normal humans can use. What's better yeah. than that one?
0: Yeah, I mean, until proven that it can't happen, let's just assume it can. <laughs> um so they they mentioned that yeah Teddy is his like anchor uh so she can help bring him out if he gets into trouble in the dream and now they want to go investigate this guy in the hospital and try to figure out what's his connection and Lucian who I guess is driving is uh saying that um this guy may be um scared if he sees you again and it might induce another heart attack so try to uh, you know be discreet and Keith started sort of like stares off into space and then we have that he like recognizes this dreaming pattern somewhere and now he can just go right into the guy's dreams now and he's kind of falling out falling in through space into another dream
1: or maybe Dr.
0: Ballad just bored him to sleep.
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, better than listening to this guy.
0: Keith, are you okay? I just was in um someone's dream. Yeah. No, please keep talking about your years in grad school there, Dr. Ballad. I enjoy hearing <laughs> that. Um, so now he's in a cemetery where you see some... Uh, tombstones labeled toad House and Grabstein. Um, it says there's a mausoleum. He sees like this pile of bones as he goes into it and again it's sort of the hospital, but maybe not. but there's just skeletons everywhere now and it's freaking him out. And then as he goes uh, further in, he sees the gnome. And the gnome is this, uh, large, um, muscly masked character that is, um, beating a hammer against a rock. Maybe while this, uh, I think the guy who would, uh, uh we'd seen before the, the killer at the airport is, um, kind of trying to hide from him behind the rock and, uh, you know. Is it a rock or some kind of animal
1: or like a fuzzy something? And then there's like meat hanging around and stuff. And oh yeah, okay. Ah oh, man, it's, it's confusing, but it's a little weirder than a rock. Okay. Um. So he's oh,
0: talking to the guy that, and the guy says that realized that the gnome had tampered with the timing on the timer on the bomb, so that he got. T- uh, killed as well. And he knows that killing the family. Was done to protect your treasure. But. And. Uh, he, the gnome is now saying. That even though Adam and Lenore Remsen. Are long since blasted to nothing. Their brats are too badly injured. To remain a nuisance. What? So. <laughs> um, It wasn't just like. Random terrorist bombing. This was a, a guy. Trying to kill. Eath and his family specifically. Um but because he blurted something out, uh the gnome is uh throws a bunch of pile of meat at his direction <laughs> and uh buries him and uh is like talking to him about how he'd uh he was trying to draw him back to uh kill him in his own in the dream world. And it's like, I learn who is who walks through the region I, that was meant to be mine alone? Walks here for the last time. And uh, because of maybe his talk with Ballad before, or maybe the because the guy is talking about the uh, his family and he wants to kind of deflect him, Keith pops up with a costume on. In anger, in desperation, I found a way to hide. I've become a much a dr- as much a dream figure as the thing I face. And he is a... Uh, I don't really quite know what to call it. It's uh, it's a comic booky costume, which is almost all in black. His face has just a couple of uh, uh, partial masks over his eyes, mostly. Yeah,
1: it's a little bit like Robin's mask, but but yeah, it's not like a Domino mask quite. And there's kind of like a
0: nebula on his chest and um it's not a cape but this sort of streamers coming down the back or something um i never did figure out quite what they were going for with this to be honest just
1: something different i guess right it's all black uh so we get kind of blue shades so we can see it it's got yeah he's got kind of the dr strange cape collar thing but yeah I don't know. It's 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 visually interesting, if a bit confusing.
0: Yeah, I keep saying thinking Harlequin, but maybe not. The um, best thing he could
1: come up with while buried in a pile of meat.
0: <laughs> so he he gets out and he's ready to fight the gnome, but then he realizes he's not actually very strong. So <laughs> he's almost immediately crushed by this huge hammer that the gnome has, and he uh, is lucky. Uh, that he got out, that Teddy pulled him out of the dream. He's uh, in the next page talking to Lucian Ballad again about this. And uh, Ballad's like, "Oh, it's good. thank goodness for the symbiotic link between you and your sister. Otherwise, who knows what it happened. So, Keith is still trying to figure out what the connection was to his parents' death and everything, and he really wants to keep investigating this mystery, but Lucian's thinking it's pretty dangerous for him. Just then some uh surgeon someone else from the hospital run is enters the room and is yelling at Ballad for taking the uh patient records of that guy who was uh heart attacking out and um he's like hey, it relates to my patient. No, yeah uh, the guy doesn't buy it for a second and uh this is a he says the guy is going to die any second from a massive heart attack and he resents uh ballad uh going behind his back to look into this and okay whatever so um we flashed to keith and teddy talking at the poolside again and the, teddy's done a little bit more research uh getting a book on mythology that Lita. Uh, picked up for her, and um, Keith is like thinking a lot to himself while uh, she's talking. But he finally does sort of sit down and listen to her. And she, he says, mm, "A mythology book tells about gnomes. Listen, dwarf-like beings given to protecting treasure hoards, generally found in Germanic legends such as the Nibel. She's trying to say Nibelung or something, but." Mm. Germanic it says funny I thought they were Jewish tombstones what no that's me <laughs> yeah um, we saw in the cemetery there Keith um, and uh, Teddy are supposed to take some medication and uh, he tries to switch um, hers so that she takes his sedatives and will be out like a light We flash over to a scene of Ballad talking to the hospital administrator. He's surprised that the surgeon went over his head and, you know, complained about him all the way to the top. And, uh, she's not that concerned, but she does say that, uh, all the time in the hospital has been running through, um, Keith and Teddy's bank accounts. And, uh, if he's their guardian, he should probably do something to, uh, make sure they're not broke by the time they get out of the hospital.
1: That's some realness of the new universe. There, Hey, this hospital actually costs money.
0: Indeed. You're not Although, the idea orphans. that the administrator would keep him from spending more of it seems <laughs> I don't... Right.
1: It was a kinder time.
0: So, Lita comes back and uh, tells him that Keith has disappeared. We see Keith lying down in a quiet wing of the hospital so he has some time to himself and going into the dream world.
1: Doodly, 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 doodly.
0: So they've already they're already developing some nice like visual clues for it, whereas like he's lying down and then his moon scar is glowing and then his you know this costume sort of takes over him. Um and this time he is at the end of the world. <laughs> Oops, went too far. Yeah, is um, uh, he's like in a desert post-apocalypse, and uh, there's no signs of life. And this uh, the gnome is there again. He's still in his like medieval costume with the big hammer. Yeah, this time and... he's got
1: battle armor, so it's like this the other action figure for He-Man, like regular He-Man and battle armor He-Man. Mm, battle awesome. armor gnome action figure coming soon. Maybe
0: there is a guy online who, who makes like uh figures of, of new universe characters, so we could always request that. I don't know, maybe it'd be. Um, I like it. He's talking to this uh guy who's dying again, the killer, and uh, uh, trying to get him to go to this water <laughs> crawl through this desert and uh suddenly keith is like um uh, i'd like uh i wish i could uh, get him out of the real world but uh, since the doctors say he will never regain consciousness there's no way no hope of that so i guess i'll settle for this so he's um confronting the gnome directly this time you will not escape and uh Keith just right away uses his secret weapon, which in this case is identifying the gnome. I have no intention of making sure you don't, Dr. Kleinman.
1: What? (gasps) What?
0: (laughs) You know. So he walks him through how he solved the mystery. Your assassin told me is... Remember the names? A lot of German names there, and in your German, your name literally means small man, and that's what a gnome is—a small man, a klein man, klein man. (laughs) You, the gnome, is you, (laughs) kleinman. You have a treasure hoard you're trying to protect. Um, it's like that's why you killed my parents. You were worried we were going to steal your research or something. Um Kleinman is in a weird like spaceship spacesuit looking um outfit like diver or a astronaut dreamstronaut um, dreamstronaut nice um and he is shocked that this is the son of the uh Ramsons that he was trying to kill. So they uh fight briefly. Keith tells him that uh You know, he didn't, you're a paranoid madman, he calls him. And uh, meanwhile, the uh, guy who's dying is almost made it to this water. He falls in and then the whole, because it was his dream, the whole world around him starts to unravel. And Keith is thinking this, he's going to be killed if he is killed within a dream, which is... Is that true? Who knows? But it shows up in every movie about dream entering. I don't
1: know. Yes, without fail. If you're inside someone's dream and they die, or you die in the dream, then you die in real life for some reason. Something, something dream waves.
0: We matched the dream waves, and now there's no way to save your life. So, um, Heath and kind of grabs Kleinman and is running away and it's scaling a wall, I think. And he's talking about how he wants to see his parents' murderer punished, but not do it himself, I guess. Um, or maybe he just doesn't want to lose the gift of life, even for a jerk like you Kleinman. Um, and, Keith is kind of holding on to the guy, but then his, it's, he gets sort of pulled into the void. and Or Keith is being pulled out by Teddy, I guess, is all, the, the other way of looking at it. So he wakes up in a room. Uh, Ballad, Lita, and Teddy are all there, and they're kind of mad at him for running off on his own and doing this without uh, Teddy there for safeguard or... The other is there for a backup. Um, he feels a little bad, and she makes a funny joke about how uh, she never trusts anything he gives her to eat now because he almost made her eat a Caterpillar sandwich when they were kids. Um, That's gross, by the way. Yeah, I can't get that image out of my head now. Thanks. Thanks, Nightmask. The, Keith tells them that it was... Uh, Horst Kleinman, he's a crazy, bitter old man, Um, and we don't know what happened to him. Maybe he's uh, alive still or not, but anyway, you have a special gift, Keith, and you can use it uh, to help people. Um, You and Teddy can, can work together, and maybe that's the best way that gift can be used. So um we switch over for the last couple of panels, we're on the last page here, to Zurich, where we have I guess the gnome lives in Frankenstein's castle or something.
1: Yeah, that's where everyone lives.
0: In- Zurich's like a modern city, right? And it's no it, oh, everyone.
1: Okay. It's old Dracula town. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um and we we just see some um Word balloons from someone saying that the life signs have stabilized. He will recover, but the equipment was blown up in the act of, in the strain of recovering him. He will insist that we rebuild. Mm. Down, down, down,
1: down. The million dollar dream, man. Six million.
0: Yeah, no, there's no like the end or next time or anything, but the end for now or any of that. But okay. <laughs> but that is it for Nightmask number one um, yeah all these books in the first issue seem like they're about 24
1: 25 pages it's action-packed pages yes there's a ton of you know, like, we I don't the know and I think, a zillion times right like, and it feels
0: it. like they're kind of they kind of rush the ends on the ones that we've read so far it's like um every, I, all the 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 final confrontation pushed into the last like three pages or so um yeah. I would have expected like the last third to last quarter of the book be you know actual so but...
1: if this was a modern comic it would've been like a six issue graphic novel probably just to tell this one story who've been stretched out so far but this is yeah a ton packed into one
0: i mean yeah the you, you you, you, want to set up as much as you can, and yeah, back then you could even fit in a whole story um, sort of getting you off on the, the right foot. And yeah, it does a pretty good job of that, I'd say. Uh, the setup is pretty clear. You've got the kid with the power to kind of go into other people's dreams, his sister. Um, we've got a couple of more characters, Lita and... and Dr. Ballad that can help them with this.
1: Um, right. yeah, I like the way they they handle the powers in this one. Um, we don't really know the source of some of the characters' powers, and, and some of the books don't even have powers, but um, like he's in a coma, so he's dreaming. So when the white event comes, you know, he becomes he gets dream powers, right? While he's dreaming, his sister's by his bedside, like trying to like will him out of it right so her power is to get him out of the dream right so that's kind of a cool like this happened uh you know what event you know i don't know i don't know how to explain it but you know
0: it's like was was the um yeah the power he got um a result of what he was doing at the moment of the
1: white event right that's still kind of an open question yeah he was doing a bunch of sit-ups would he have been like super strong ab man or something <laughs> I, <don't know>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can think of a lot of things that would be so embarrassing you would not want to be uh have a superpower related to them <laughs> especially that for be. a
1: teen boy yeah <laughs> um
0: yeah but that was before he knew Leto was around. So I don't know. right,
1: that's true. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it's it's got strong vibes from Nightmare on Elm Street, which was a thing at the time, and uh, Dreamscape, a little less remembered movie. Although we 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 checked it out in the uh, last few months.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a pretty close. Uh, approximation did we ever figure out like did was that earlier did that movie come out before night mask i think so yeah within yeah. months so did Archie Goodwin watch dreamscape and then come up with this night mask story idea
0: it's I mean you know you you you're not gonna uh you know say that like the story was so closed it's just sort of like you know, they're probably used to um you know, I don't think like the comic book guys think like powers are are copyrightable, you know what I mean?
1: Right. And everybody borrows from like pop culture stuff, you know, the Russian villains and it's like we're all kind of rehashing and you know, absorbing things from, from what we see. But
0: yeah, there was like I think Definitely through the 60s and 70s, comics would really take sort of half digested ideas from movies and TVs at the time and, and sort of, you know, slowly mold them into something that was their own thing. Um, so this is fair game, certainly. I'm not going to yeah. complain about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a fun uh, setup, and I enjoy the sort of mystery aspect of it. You kind of have, you know, a, a clues in the dream and their dream logic, and you try to have to kind of piece them together. That's good, you know. It's, it gives you something to chew on yourself as you're as you're reading. If you uh, want now that you sort of have a um, template for future stories uh, yeah
1: and it gives you a nice chance to have like visual interest as well right in the comic book so he doesn't really have a superhero outfit but he can in the dreams and that makes sense right and you're not visiting strange alien worlds but you can in a dream right like strange creepy hospitals and end of the world and weird skulls and stuff and that yeah, so you would
0: think for for artists this would be a great setup you know you know you draw some pretty straight stuff and then you just go wild and you know be as creative as you want in some of these um dream missions um so it's uh the, the supporting cast is fun hopefully we'll see more of them well, they said it was kind of a You never quite knew with the uh, new universe, like, oh, wow, this team is great. I'm glad they found these characters to hang out with. And then felt like the very next book, off on my own. No more (laughs) holding me down. I've got.
1: Right. They all come together to form the dream squad or we never see them again. Like It's it's awesome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You never know. But uh, they're.
1: Yeah, yeah. Overall, I think it's pretty well done. It's, it's. Uh, you know, I I find the art, you know, a little confusing at times. I mean, not not that it has a bad bad time with the storytelling it's storytelling, but you know, sometimes it's a little more detailed. Sometimes it's a little kind of like wispy almost
0: yeah I think uh the Tony Salmon said was uh the one who had done Dakota North just the year before this
1: oh, right which was a bit uh, more cartoony than this yeah a bit more but um he says got a
0: style I don't know it's kind of sometimes works well sometimes like what am I looking at but um, yeah. yeah you know I'm okay with it um overall it's it's attractive and you know
1: um I don't know the the yeah, writing it's, it's a fun setup the, the writing is you yeah. I think a lot of these kind of you know, <laughs> there's there's too many words to a degree like the older comics uh this is way m- much more common but you know there's a lot of dialogue uh, we kind of breeze through it uh for this issue for the sake of time but uh it can kind of weigh things down a little bit um as far as that goes but but yeah regardless we do kind of jump from story beat so yeah interesting characters um yeah, uh, I'd say I'll, I'll like this one. It's it's an enjoyable start. Um, it's uh, not perfect, but it's a really interesting setup and definitely kind of looking forward to see where it goes from here.
0: Yeah, it's a little low-key, um, but yeah, it's, it seems like fun and in a good direction. So um, I guess I will give a grade this time and... I think I waffled a lot between like B, maybe uh, towards a B-plus on this one.
1: Right. I think I talked Um, you out of the B-plus to a degree. Yeah, I don't
0: know if I should revise that or not.
1: Our original scores were Bs, as we hinted and said. We we were kind of re-recording this one. Honestly, I'm feeling a little more positive about it than I was at the time. Maybe there's some nostalgia, double nostalgia, feeling now and... that
0: we look back at it we love it. Yeah. Um it's a funny thing. It's uh, like so so far we looked at uh last last time Starbrand and spitfire and this time cyforce and night mask and I would say like of those Starbrand most happy with um this and I don't know what to Maybe this, like the next one down, then Cyforce, then Spitfire? I'm not quite sure.
1: Yeah, I would probably put, you know, the the Starbrand is up there. The other three are pretty similar in ranking to me. Uh, though, yeah, maybe I'd give the edge to, to Nightmask at this point. So,
0: um, let me see. I did find a, a quote so good in our original cast that, um, I had to kind of write it down. Um, the, we were talking b- before about how um, that this is the f- at the four books in before we get to one that actually features the White Event. Yeah. And I think you had brought up that maybe they led with the books that look the best, um, like Star Brand, rather than the ones that sort of explain the White Event more. Mm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I thought that was a good good point. Um, so yeah, the the white event is like the starting point for the new universe, but that doesn't mean like that's all they ever talked about. Yeah. And yes, several books that wasn't a thing at all.
1: So um it, this it's is before the era where you'd get like a zero issue that was white event issue one and or that kind of stuff. Right, right.
0: All the like dull things that happened to Proud Hawk and Keith Remsen two weeks before the White Event. Yeah, no one needs that. Honestly, I don't know.
1: <laughs> oh so, no, we do not.
0: Let's see anything else we've got. Uh, pack it up for this week's episode. Let's pack it. Yeah. Uh, Next time we will be covering Kickers
1: Inc. And Mark Hazard Merck. We Ooh. got some football players. We got some mercenaries.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they'll <laughs> one or both of those will have a lot of uh, um, exciting, violent um, activities. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Football players hit people, and mercenaries take out hits on people. Dying? I don't know. Okay. Football-playing assassins? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Andy's the football expert, so come back uh, in the future for more uh, insights into what uh, what this football game is all about. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Touchdown! It's worth six points. <laughs> well, anyway, um, you know, in between. So, yeah, please check out the next episode. Uh, we have a website www.kickersinc.com We have a Twitter at, at kickersinc kickers, kickers, kickers um, and then of course remember this is actually a re-recorded version of the second episode to make up for some bad sound quality uh, so at this point we've actually been doing this for a year and we hope you're interested enough to follow along and excuse how rough some of these earlier episodes were. Uh, we have an intro episode talking about the new universe in general and a six month catch up uh, and a twelve month catch up as well. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you back at the Stnnerrack. Right.